Welcome to JRoot Radio. This is the Halakha Hour live on JRoot Radio, Khaf Dalit Sivan. Just to make sure, June 10th, we are here. Khaf Gimel Sivan, Mahila. Khaf Gimel Sivan, Tafshin Ayn. Hey. Before we get to the class, let's begin with our regular introductions. We let you know how to listen to the class and how to participate. Actually, today you might be able to participate even more. We'll explain soon. First of all, the numbers to the station, if you'd like to listen, the number is 712-432-4217. There's another number to listen on, 718-506-9099. That's the numbers to listen. The website is jruradio.com. You can also listen, you can access this here on the JRU Radio Pro app on your smartphone, iPhone, Android, Whatever fantastic things that you have. The other way to listen to the, the, the class is by going to the website, jrootradio.com. You can also watch the video over there on jrootradio.com. Okay, I think that's it for how to listen. Now, to call in with your questions, you call the number is 718-683-5858. Again, 718-683-5858. And you can text it in to 347 347- This is the Halakha Hour where we discuss the Halakhot, practical Halakhot. We start from the Ben Yishai, we work from the Sefer, the Ben Yishai, we're up to Halakhot of Shabbat, and from there we elaborate, we try to make it practical. We're in the middle of the Halakhot of Mukseh, which is found in the Ben Yishai in Shana Shaniya Parashat Miketz, like Mukseh, and Parashat Vayigash. We haven't even touched the parasha, but we've given already two full classes on the subject of Mukseh. The first class was the introduction and the reasons and the background to the laws or to the takana of Mukseh, being that was rabbinical. And the second class, last week's class, we highly, highly recommend that everybody should listen to that. In general, if you would like to know anything about Mukseh, to step into the halachot Mukseh, it was a very, very important introduction classifying all the categories of Mukseh, which we'll repeat today very, very quickly, as we'll see why. That was last week's class, and today we hope to get into the actual parashah from the Benish Hai, to read off from the Benish Hai, and to start discussing the laws. We mentioned last week that there's really another important introduction that we need to bring out, but this is really something mainly for the men, and maybe we'll save it for the introduction to Parashat Vayigash. There we will discuss the mahloka between Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Yehuda when it comes to Mukseh from the Gemara and what does it mean. We hold on Mukseh, we don't hold Mukseh. We'll discuss that by Azat Hashem when we get to Parashat Vayigash. Let's review a little bit from what we did last week because what we'd like to do today, before we get to the actual Sefer, before we get to the actual book from the Benish High, is that we would like to make basically make it like a workshop. Workshop means to say, uh, make it practical. The purpose of this class is that you should know the halakha. It's not here to impress you, wow, here you go, here's the halakha, and here's the background, and to make you get lost. If you walk out of this class, any class, by the way, specifically on Mukseh, and you don't know what to do, I have failed, and I should step down and give up the slot to somebody better. And I'm sure there's a lot of people more better. Our purpose here is that you should come out knowing what to do in the halakhot that we discuss, or at least know that there's a question that you should be able to ask, you know, and to know that there's something over here to be asked. Obviously, you're not going to become, we're not going to become, you know, poskim from what we learn, but we will know at least how to navigate, how to move around on Shabbat, keeping Shabbat holy the way Hashem wants us to keep it. We discussed last week five categories of mukseh. Even though there are six categories, we're focusing on five categories. And... What we're going to do today is review these five categories, and then we're going to, I mean, I brought here, I listed here 15 random things. I I was in my house, and I looked around the house, and I said, you know, let me just make a list of these things, and we would like to know how to categorize them. Like we said, when it comes to the Chod Mukseh, you want to know what the categories are, and then... You want to look at the item and see where it fits in which of the five categories, and then you'll know what the rules are, and you'll know what you could do with that item. Let's review the five categories. In short, plus their halachot. First category is what we call keli shemelachto le'isur. This category is actually divided into two parts. Keli shemelachto le'isur as well as keli shemelachto le'heter. 
We'll begin with the first, with the second one first. I listed out of order. What is a This is an item, a utensil, whatever it may be. That's main function is for something that is permitted on Shabbat. Its main function is for something that's permitted on Shabbat. The rule is that if you want to move, you can move it on Shabbat. If you need the item, if you need the place of the item, even if you want to move it for the protection of the item, it's called a If it's a leheter, you can move it. However, as we'll soon see in depth later on, you can only move it for these three purposes. If there is no purpose whatsoever in moving then technically it's mukse and you should not move it. That's The second part of what we call, let's say, 1B, the second part of this category is keli shemelachto leisur. Keli means an item, utensil, where the main function is something that one cannot perform on Shabbat. Keli shemelachto leisur. The isur referring here to something that you cannot perform on Shabbat. Like we gave an example last week with a pen or, uh, or uh, scissors. You cannot Right on Shabbat. So a pen is on Isur. What's the law? What's the halakha as far as mukseh? Could you move it? Could you not move it? The answer is, The rule is, you could only move it for one of the two purposes. And of course, if you have both of them, then you have both of them. Number one is, Number two is, means I can move the item if I need it. If I need the item itself, that I need to use it, even though in general it's something that I'm not allowed to use, even though in general it is mukseh, but being at this moment, I need to perform something that's mutar with this item, then I can move it for that purpose. We gave the example last week with a hammer. Hammer's main function is to nail in nails into the wall. If I want to move the hammer in order to break the coconut, I can move the hammer on Shabbat now to break the coconut. Another reason why I can move the hammer is mekomo. If I have the hammer on my chair and I need to sit down, so I could pick up the hammer in order I should sit down. I don't need the hammer. I need the place of the hammer. That's called letzorech mekomo. For klish isur, I can move it letzorech mekomo. However, here's where klish isur is more stringent than klish leheter. In klish leheter, we said if you want to move the item. For the protection of the item, you want to protect the item, you don't want it to get stolen, you don't want it to get ruined, you're allowed to move it for that purpose. But if I'm, my only purpose of moving it is that I should protect the item, then it will be forbidden. It's asur. That's category, we've finished discussing category number one of mukseh. Category number two, mukseh, mahamat hasan kis, which we explained is any item where I'm so careful that I would... I'm so careful from using it for anything besides what it's made for because I'm worried of ruining the item. I'm worried that of the financial loss I'm going to get or not even financial loss. I don't want to ruin the item. So therefore, I'll own, I'm very careful to only use it for that one purpose. That's called We gave the mashal as the halakha and the gemara does of a knife of shahita. Since nobody would use a knife for shahita to cut his steak or to cut even his potatoes on Shabbat or to spread peanut butter or cream cheese on his bread because, because it's, it's going to ruin the item. So that's why it's in the category of Mukseh Mahmat Hasron Kis. The rules of Mukseh Mahmat Hasron Kis is that you cannot move it for any reason. I'm talking about moving it in a normal way. I cannot move my shahita knife if it's on my chair. I cannot move it. If it's if I want to use it, to, if I change my mind, I, I want to use it now to cut my steak, I can't. Because I'm keeping it as a shahita knife. I'm not switching back. So therefore, it's forbidden to move it. Let's sort of go for or let's sort of make homo. Third category of mukseh is called mukseh mahamat gufo. This is something, you know, to define it is anything that has no purpose whatsoever. Not whatsoever, but has no purpose. In essence, it has no purpose. Something like dirt, rocks, which have not been designated for anything. They have no purpose for me, mean to say, to do anything with them. Of course, rocks are there, Hashem had a purpose in creation. But for me, I have no purpose for them. So these items are, have the same laws 
as Muxe Mahmat Hasonkis. Muxe Mahmat Hasonkis and Muxe Mahad Gufo, for as far, you know, as far as Shabbat is concerned, that means if I already come into Shabbat and they're already Muxe Mahmat Hasonkis or Muxe Mahmat Gufo, I could also not move them for any reason. I cannot move a Litzorik Gufo, I cannot move a Litzorik Mekomo. That's category number four. And finally, Muxe Mahmat is, uh, excuse me. Four. I'm up to category four. I didn't, I skipped one. Category number four is basis ledabar ha'asur. Basis ledabar ha'asur, as we explained, is an item which, under normal circumstances, should not be mukseh. However, it becomes mukseh because it's holding up. It's made to hold up something that is mukseh, and that's how it comes into Shabbat. This item that's mutar remains mukseh, even though the Forbidden piece, which is the mukse piece, fell off of it on Shabbat. And finally, the last category is mukse Muhammad Isur. Anything which, when coming into Shabbat, I cannot access it unless I perform something that's forbidden on Shabbat. That is mukse Muhammad Isur, remains also mukse through the duration of Shabbat, like mukse Muhammad Gufo. If it sounds very vague, you need to listen to last week's class. And not only that, the laws of these categories are what we're going to discuss in the Benish Hai. This is just a little background, a little bit of a flavor, just to understand oh, the halachot of But really, every single category, we hope to go into depth, into it, into depth, to, you know, we're not going to, let me just explain. If I go too deep, then we'll all come out, including myself, come out very confused. Because it's too complicated to organize everything. There's a lot, a lot of laws. As we're going to see, every, even the Benish Hai and every Sefer that discusses Muqseh says, it's very complicated. There's a lot of stuff going on. But we're going to go into as deep as possible that we still come out with a, a, an or, a system or, or clarity of the subject itself. So now let's go on to today's first part of the class. And that is to work it out. Let's look around some of the items that we have in our house to see how would we classify them. And I'm going to give you a little bit of a few seconds to think about it. In fact, if you want to call in or you want to text in, I'll give you the numbers again, 718-683-5858 or 347-927-8398. If you would like to call in to to speak about, you know, to discuss a certain item, where, how it's classified, and once we classify, we see which category of mukse it is, then we'll know how to handle on Shabbat, if we can move it, if we cannot move it. I specifically did not put anything that's electronic on the list, because electronics have their own discussion, we'll talk about them by, by themselves. I avoided anything that's electronic, therefore, I ask that if you have a question about electronics, call me only after the class, after 3 o'clock, I'm here for another 10-15 minutes, we could talk about it. But right now, I would like to go in the, in the system in an order so that we should understand these the, the basic laws of Mukseh and then we'll be able to go on to the more complicated cases. Let's begin with case number one. Bookcase. We have a bookcase. Doesn't make a difference. Five feet tall, two feet tall, or seven feet tall, and has books on it. How would we categorize a bookcase? What category of Mukseh is it? Now, don't tell me it's nothing. It, what? How would we categorize a bookcase on Shabbat? Is it Kalis Menachtol Isur, Mukseh Mahmat Hasson Kis, Mukseh Mahmat Gufo, Basis Edbara Asur, or Mukseh Mahmat Isur? What would be the law by bookcase? So I'm going to jump right into it, and I'm not waiting for phone calls because we just want to give you a little bit of time to think about it. A books technically is a Kli Shemenachtol Leheter. It's made to hold up books. Right? It's a kli. It has a purpose. And that purpose is leheter. Since a kli... By the way, whatever we're saying now, it's on a simple level. It's only based on what we learned. We will learn much more halachot of mukseh. And we'll learn more details about each category that we may come back to this list and perhaps group them in a different way. So that means if you're listening to this and you're already a, a professional and you're a trained person, that means you learned Al-Qadim Muqseh, you may disagree on some of the things and I may agree with your disagreement. This list is only based on what we learned so far. Of course, if you go into details and you change a few details from the cases I'm bringing, it might be a different category. But let's stick to the simple shot, simple explanation, simple case. A bookcase is a clay 
that's made up to hold books. So therefore, it should be keli shemlachtol leheter, which would mean I can move this, I can move my bookcase on Shabbat, even though it's very heavy, as long as I have a purpose of moving it. I have a simcha in my house, I have a lot of guests coming over, I want to pick it on Shabbat, and all of a sudden, your husband comes home and he tells you, okay, we got 20 guests coming over. You said, you want to be like Avram Avinu? Good. I'm, I went to shul, there were 20 balachuvas, I'm bringing them all over. What about the food? We'll figure it out. We'll bring out some cream cheese and bread. But we need to make room for them. You want to move your bookcase? That is mutad because you need to make space for it. Good. Case number two. A raincoat. Now, raincoat, it's, it's a clothing. Yeah, what would it be? Why would there be a question in this? Well, is it raining outside? Do you need it? And the answer is, who cares? We don't go by right now if it's raining or not raining. We look at the item. Even though it's not raining, we look at the item. So a raincoat, even on a sunny, bright, sunny day in the summer, in the society, because in America you never know if it's sunny and it's, I mean, if it's sunny and it's summer, it could rain any second, right? But even if it's a bright, sunny day, and you have, it's a klisim lehetir, and we have the rules of klisim lehetir. I can move it as long as I have a purpose. If I need to put it in the closet, if I need to put it away, uh, whatever it is, I can move it for that purpose. I can only, I'm only restricted, like in the other cases of klisim lehetir, I'm only restricted if I have no purpose in moving the strain cord or any kilis melechtoleter. Next case, CDs. Well, how would we classify CDs? Well, let's think about it. What's a CD made for? CD is made to place it in a stereo or a boombox and to play. Can I do that on Shabbat? And the answer is no. Since I can't do that on Shabbat, so CD becomes kli shemelechto leisur. Am I so careful that the CD should only be used, dafka only for playing it in the CD because it might get ruined? Yeah, but, you know, how many people have their CDs lying around? When you take out a CD, you're so careful to always put it back in its case. And that, yeah, people in general don't want them to be scratched, but you're not so mukpeed on them that you wouldn't have them thrown around. Just So therefore, a CD is kli shemelachto le isur. Which means that if I have a CD on the floor, I want to pick it up just because I don't want it to get scratched on Shabbat, it's forbidden. Because I'm, my purpose of picking it up is for the CD, for the item itself. And that in the Kalisa Mechtol Sur would be forbidden. And therefore, I cannot move it. I can only kick it on the side. Or as we'll learn when we get to Kalisa Mechtol Sur, what we could do when I need to move Kalisa Mechtol Sur. Next example are candlesticks. Can I move my candlesticks on Shabbat? Now, I want to let you know that candlesticks in themselves are a discussion. But again, I was sitting in my living room preparing this class and I looked around my house and I saw candlesticks, so I decided to write it down. Based on what we're learning, candlesticks are considered basis le dabara asur. Why? Because we have the candlesticks in order that we should have them the, the candle cups, the cups on with oil on top of them, and they come into Shabbat lit. So since they come into Shabbat lit, and I cannot move my candlesticks when the fire is on it, so therefore, even when the candles shut off, technically, it should be that the candles should be mukse, even though, the candlesticks that means, even though the candles shut off, even though the flame is off, the candles should remain mukse throughout Shabbat. Like we said before, there's a lot to discuss on each part, and there's a lot more details that we need to learn. Based on what we learned so far, this is the rule of candlesticks. It's made for the flame. The flame is mukse, and they come into Shabbat. I can't access them unless I shut off the candle. So it makes it the basis le debara asur. Basis le debara asur, we learned that even though the asur, which is the flame in this example, even though it shut off, once it shuts off, I cannot move the candlesticks I still cannot move the candlesticks in a normal fashion. Next, candles. Regular wax candles. What is, how would you classify a regular candle? Yardside candle or whatever it may be. Answer is, it should be a kli, right? A wax candle is a kli. Shemelachtol leisur. Why? Can I put on a candle on Shabbat? No, it's a sumidoraita. So therefore, it's a kli. Shemelachtol leisur. It's made that it should be lit and lighting 
is forbidden on Shabbat. Therefore, a candle is klis mechtol isur, which means I may not move it unless I need its place or if I need the candle itself for something. I don't know what it is. Maybe I need to hold up my chair. I need it for whatever it may be. That's when it will be considered letzorech gufo and will be mutar. Number six, pots. You know, regular pots that you cook with. What's the deen with pots? What's the halakha with pots? What should they, how should it be categorized? Let's think about it. What is a pot made for? The pot is made so that I should cook in it. Can I cook on Shabbat? The answer is no. Since pots are made that I could cook, uh, that I should use them to cook, therefore they consider the kli shemlech tole isur. The only time I can move them is letzorch gufo or letzorch mekomo. An example, if I have food in my pot and I want to warm it up, it's already cooked. I just want to warm it up on the blech in a way that's mutan on Shabbat. I want to warm it up on the hot plate. Then I can move them. If I want to carry them from the blech to the counter so I could pour them into a serving bowl so I could, you know, I could have food on Shabbat. Mutar. Why? I need it. Letzorech gufo. The food is inside of it. I don't want to, it's much easier for me to pour all the contents of food from the pot inside of the serving bowl. So therefore, letzorech mekomo, I mean, letzorech gufo ubi mutar. Also, if the pots are empty and I need the space over there, it's sitting on the counter and I need that space over there to, I don't know, to stack up plates. I could pick up the pot and move it because I need its makom. But if I just want to move the pot for no reason, or if I want to move it for the protection of the pot, that's forbidden. Why? Because a pot is kli shemilachto leisur. Next. You're going to laugh at this case, but it's, it's good to know because it'll bring out a good point. Some people, they have shoes for the weekday and they have shoes for Shabbat. And they will never wear it on Shabbat unless Hasbe Shalom, something, you know, like Hurricane Sandy comes and, you know, destroys the Shabbat shoes. But they have weekday shoes or sneakers. It's not Shabbat stick. They're not wearing it. And Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem. They're very makpid. And, and I've got, listen, I have the same thing. I have my weekday shoes and I have my Shabbat shoes. I don't wear my weekday shoes on Shabbat unless something happens. I'm not making fun. I'm just pointing it out. Can I, is my, are my shoes, which I don't wear on Shabbat, I only wear during the weekday, what category are they? Are they mukseh because I, on, I only wear them in the weekday? I don't wear them on Shabbat? And the answer is no. I choose not to wear them. There's nothing wrong with the shoe. The shoe is made so it could go on my foot. Can I wear those shoes on Shabbat? Is it mutar to wear those shoes on Shabbat? And the answer is yes. Since it's mutar to wear shoes on Shabbat, these shoes like we're talking about, then it's a klish mechtoleheter and I could move it if it's sitting in the middle of my living room and it doesn't look good. Even though I'm not moving it for the sake of the shoe, I'm not moving because I need the place of the shoe, I'm moving it just to get the shoe out of this. I don't like it here. Or I want to protect my shoes. I don't want anything to happen to them. They're standing outside and I see it's about to rain. I don't want my shoes to get soaking wet from the rainstorm, from the you know summer storms. I want to take it inside. Mutar. What about shoes that have lights? Again, electronics, we'll talk about them by Zat Hashem when we get to them by, by themselves. Next, it's Tzedakah box. Every household should have a Tzedakah box. I have a Tzedakah box. Now, if it has money in it, that's simple. Why? Because money, like we explained last week, is Muqseh Mahmad Gufo. And since Tzedakah box is made for the sake of the money, so therefore it's batel to the money and we categorize it as Muqseh Mahamat Gufo. However, even if it empties out on Shabbat, somehow the kids knock it and it's all the money, all the coins fall out of the tzedakah box. You look and you see there's absolutely nothing inside the tzedakah box. It would still be mukse. You know why? Because the tzedakah box is a basis ledabar ha'asur. How is it basis ledabar ha'asur? Well, think about it. It's made for a purpose of money. And it came to Shabbat with money. Supposed, and the money is supposed to be there. Even though the money left the box, it's not in the box anymore. It's still, since this is what it was made for, this is how it came in onto Shabbat, it remains in that status throughout the whole Shabbat. And even if I want to use now the tzedakah box to show somebody the new picture that we have on our new tzedakah boxes, I want to show somebody, look, we have a picture together with this great gadol that's you know supporting our, our organization. 
or whatever it may be, or I want to show somebody the address. You know, sometimes the tzedakah boxes come from a certain shul, and the shul have the address of the shul. Somebody wants to know where, what is the address of the shul, and I want to show somebody the address or the picture of the shul, I can't pick up the tzedakah box. What do you mean? No, I, let's sort of go for, it doesn't make a difference. It's a basis ledabar ha'asur. Next, this was on the table when I was preparing this class, glue. What's the status of glue? Is it a kli or is it mukseh mahmad gufo? This is actually a little, little complicated to, to, to figure out. Is a glue considered a kli that has a purpose which is to stick? Or is it mukseh mahmad gufo? Because, you know, technically dirt, I could also use it as mud and it could stick. Dirt, I could use it to, you know, to make soil so it could plant. But you still call dirt mukseh mahmad gufo. So I believe glue should be categorized as Muqseh Mahmad Gufo because in itself it doesn't have a purpose. Although, yes, it's made to glue, but it's not a kli. It, it doesn't have a shem kli. So therefore, glue should technically be Muqseh Mahmad Gufo. Again, this is based on what we're learning. We, Like we said, we may learn more and come back and change some of these things, but based on what we learned so far, that's what glue should be. Next, toilet paper. What's the deal with toilet paper? We all know you cannot rip toilet paper on Shabbat unless you're in an emergency situation, then you can do Bishinui, and that's a separate deen for a separate class. But what's the deen? I have toilet paper, a roll of toilet paper. Can I move it on Shabbat or not? How would I categorize it? Well, before we get to the ripping, just think about it for a second. Toilet paper is made, so you should clean, whatever you want to clean. So therefore, cleaning yourself. Forget the ripping. Can I clean myself on Shabbat? Yeah, 100%. Oh, I might have to rip, forget the ripping for a second, but the toilet paper is made to clean. If I want to take a roll of toilet paper and clean with it the dirt on the table, or I have something on my face and I want to use the whole roll of toilet paper, forget about that sheet also. Okay, I'm using it now to clean something on my face. Can I do it? Charming, you know, it's very soft on the face. Can I do it? And the answer is yes. So toilet paper is really a clean. Oh, I can't rip it. You're right. Nobody's telling you to rip it. We're talking about mukse here. Ripping it is a side factor, but the purpose of toilet paper is to clean. Being that cleaning is mutan on Shabbat, there's no isur to move toilet paper. It's not a kli shemilachtol isur, it's a kli shemilachtol leheter. Just have to be careful not to rip it like anything else. Even if it's kli shemilachtol leheter, doesn't mean I can carry it outside. I might come to carry it, okay, but that's kli shemilachtol leheter. So the same thing over here by toilet paper. Be careful not to rip it. But it's still a clean. It's made for cleaning, which is mutar on Shabbat. And therefore, if my kids take out a roll of toilet paper from the bathroom, they leave it in the middle of the dining room, they leave it on the dining room table. On Shabbat, I want to take it off so I can move it. Not because I need the space, I can move it. Maybe I don't want to waste the 50 cents of toilet paper. It doesn't make a difference. I can pick it up and move it and place it back where it's supposed to be. Next, tablecloth. What is, how would we classify tablecloth? Again, tablecloth is a kli. It doesn't have to be a, a pen or a fork to be a kli. It's a kli. Clothing could also be considered kelim in according to halakha. And its purpose is to cover the table on Shabbat, which is mutah. So therefore, tablecloth is also considered keli shemelachto leheter. It's made to cover the table. Even if it happens to be that there's mukseh that goes on it, the, perp- the tablecloth by itself is a kli shemelachto leheter. What you did to it on sh- before Shabbat, that means if you decide to put your candlesticks on it before Shabbat and it should be there for, uh, throughout Shabbat, then maybe the category, the, the tablecloth category will change. But that tablecloth will change. But I'm talking about now the tablecloth in your closet. Tablecloth is made for something that's mutan on Shabbat, and therefore all tablecloths, I can move them for whatever purpose. If now I have tablecloths in the closet and I need that space in the closet for something else, so let's talk more, for sure I can move them. Even if it bothers me that the tablecloth is in that closet. I don't like it to be there. I come in, my, in the house, I told my wife, didn't I tell you to move this? She says, okay, but we don't need it right now. It doesn't make a difference. I can pick up the tablecloth and move them to a different location because tablecloth is a kli shemilachto leheter. Number 12, almost done. Wheat flour. And a regular flour that you make bread from, you know, doesn't make a difference if it's a 25 bag from a 25 pound bag from Costco or a five pound bag from the, your local grocery. What is the dean of wheat flour? We mentioned 
food, as we're going to learn also again in, in, in depth a little bit more, but we mentioned that food is not muqseh. So wheat flour, what should be the deen? And the answer is, if you remember last week's class, although food is not muqseh, that's only edible food. Raw wheat flour, regular wheat flour, is not edible. Don't don't give me uh, you know <laughs> examples and exceptions to the rule. Uh, those kind of people, we we make a bracha baruch meshaneh beriyot. It's not normal to take wheat flour and eat it. So therefore, wheat flour is not edible. The only way you can make it edible is by first turning into dough and then baking it. So therefore, wheat flour is mukseh, which means if I open up my freezer and I have my wheat flour, you know, regular flour inside the freezer, and behind it is my ice cream, um, you know, jug or half a pounder that I'm saving from the kids. I'm, I can't wait. I can't wait till for Shabbat to take out my my ice cream, delicious ice cream that I want to eat on Shabbat. I can't move the bag of flour because the wheat flour is muksem Ahmad gufo. It's not a kli, although I can use it to cook with it, but it's not a kli. It's not food, and therefore it's muksem Ahmad gufo. I cannot move the wheat flour bag in order to get to my ice cream in the freezer. I have to figure out a way of getting my ice cream without me actually physically moving the wheat flour bag with my hand. And again, we'll discuss this as at the same minute's time. Speaking about ice cream now. Let's say you're fleshing. You ate meat and you have to wait six hours. Even if you want to hold like the uh, Ramah, the Zohar, the Tosafot, that you only want to wait one hour. It doesn't make a difference. Let's say you ate meat and you're right now in the period of time where you cannot eat dairy. You open up your freezer and you see dairy ice cream. And there's only three hours left for Shabbat till Shabbat is over. And you yourself look at the clock. You say, oh my gosh, there's no way I'm going to be able to eat this ice cream on Shabbat. Does the dairy ice cream become mukseh to you since you can't have that dairy ice cream? Or do you say, no, then if it's food, who cares if I can have it, but it's food. The answer is that dairy ice cream when you ate meat is not mukseh. Again, we look at the item. Not you right now. We're going to talk about cases where it depends on you. But right now we look at the item. What is a dairy ice cream? It's a food. Since it's food, although I can't eat this food because I ate meat, but it doesn't change anything from the dairy ice cream. If somebody would come over right now and they say, wow, what a boiling hot day. I need, do you have some ice cream? I didn't, you know, my meat is over. I had meat at 9 a.m. And now it's already late in the afternoon, 6 p.m. I can, can I have some ice cream? And I said, of course. Even though you can't eat it, you can definitely serve it to them. By the way, as a side point, I'm jumping a little bit, and I shouldn't do it, but uh, my yitzah is getting me. But this would apply also to foods where other people are allergic to. Mean to say, excuse me, that you're allergic to. Let's say you're allergic to dairy, and your kids are not. So you're allowed to take the dairy milk to serve your kids. And not only that, even if you're not planning to serve your children milk, your kids are, you know, they're sick of having cereal and milk on Shabbos. They want to have, I don't know, cup of tea with, you know, English uh, tea biscuits. Fine. You're allowed to move the milk. Oh, but you're, you're allergic to dairy. You can't touch the milk. Okay, you can't touch the actual milk. You can touch the bottle. doesn't make a difference. If it's food, it's edible for someone, it does not make it mukse. And anybody can move it, even if that person cannot eat it. So let's go back to our original example. If you ate meat and you want to now move dairy ice cream on Shabbat, it's mutar because we look at the item itself. The item itself is mutar. It's food. It's not mukse. You could move it even though you cannot eat it. Last, uh, no, two more examples. Number 14 is a wallet. A wallet is basically like it's a daka box. If it has money in it, right, it's Besides basis asur, which is money, it's like it's like the it's like the money. But even the money falls out of it. If it's made to hold money, and the one and the money is not there, it has the same status as money. Money we explained last week is muksem Ahmad gufo. You cannot move it in a normal fashion for any purpose. Not let's talk gufo. Not let's talk make all. And certainly not if if you're trying to protect the money that you don't want it to get stolen. Likewise with the wallet. You cannot move the wallet at all, just like you cannot move the money. And finally, last example. Yes, I do have this in my house. A guitar. 
what is the deen of a guitar? Could you, what, first of all, before we get to could you, how would you classify guitar? Let's think about it. What is a guitar made for? To play music. That you should stroke the strings and make beautiful music. Can you play music? Can you play a musical instrument on Shabbat? And the answer is no. You cannot play musical instruments on Shabbat. So therefore, it's a kli, a guitar is a kli. Shemilachto, that's main purpose is le'isur. For something that's forbidden on Shabbat because playing musical instruments is asur on Shabbat. And therefore, when I look at my guitar on Shabbat, I have to know. I cannot move it unless letzorech mechomo or letzorech gufo. Let's say the kids took out the guitar and they put it on my bed. I need to go to sleep. I could pick up the guitar and move it off my bed, put it in its right place so I could use the bed because I need its place. I can't think of an example of letzorech gufo by guitar, but you pretty much figure out the examples. If, by the way, if you were following, with, following us from the beginning to the end, we bought 15 examples. If you were able to get 10 out of 15, I believe that's a very high score. That's very, very good. And certainly if you were thinking along the lines that we were thinking, that's pretty, that's excellent. That means you're very, you already have a lot of the basic halachot of mukseh under your belt. You need a few more details to sharpen your knowledge. And I'm not going to give you a smicha. I don't even have a smicha myself, but the idea is that you're confident, you can be confident now that, yes, you can walk around your house, and this is a fun thing to do. Even you can do it on Shabbat table with your kids. Explain what the categories of mukseh are, and then bring up different things in the house and see how they would fit, under which category they would fit. And with that, we'll move on now, finally, finally, Bazat Hashem to the Benish Hai himself. Will Bazat Hashem start with Halakha Aleph and Parashat Mkets, the Halakhot of Mukseh from the Benish Hai. Like we said before, now we're, that we're done with the introduction, we're going to learn the Halakhot inside, and the Benish Hai is coming and teaching us these Halakhot without knowing that we had the introduction. So if you hear some things that may be repetitious, yeah, because we spoke about it beforehand, just to give us a background to understand. But now at least you can pick up a Halakha book and you can understand what's going on. Well, I'll start reading from the Benish Hai as we usually do, explain, and on certain points, I'll try to point out certain things. The first category of Mukseh that Benish Hai deals with is a Kli Shemilachto Leheter. It's a big halakha. Anybody who knows the books of the Benish Hai, how they look, it's two, almost two columns, which means a full page in the Benish Hai. Let's see what we could do today. Whatever we cannot do today, whatever we cannot finish today, Bazat Hashem, we'll finish next week, inshallah, the week before, afterwards, and Bazat Hashem, we should be able to go on our own pace to understand these halachot. Remember, purpose is not just to finish. We want to know. We want to know. We want to come out with practical example halachot, and we want to know, like we said, this is different from all other halachot, where you could just know A, B, C, and D, and go ahead. You have to know the the rules of these halachot of mukseh, and then you on your own, you have to know how to apply them. Let's begin the Benishai, halacha alif. Benishai says, The halachot of mukseh and nolad on Shabbat, there's so much of them. He says, I'm only going to mention a little bit of the halachot. Let's begin. Which we know already what that means. It's a clear that's made. For something that's permitted to be done on Shabbat, for example, a cup, a plate, a tray, etc. One may move it around on Shabbat even if your purpose is not for the item itself or for the place where the item is. If your only purpose of moving this item is that it shouldn't get lost, it shouldn't get stolen, or it shouldn't break, it's also mutar to move it. Even if you want to just move it to hide it, to put it, to store it away, it's mutar because it's a kli shemlachto leheter. However, for no purpose whatsoever, one way not move any keli, even though it's a melachto leheter. 
this should sound very familiar because we learned this already. Before we get to the next part, we have a phone call. Let's. Hello? Hello? Iran? Iran? Okay, looks like we don't have anybody. Okay. Whoever called, you can call right back. We're here. In any case, come back to what we were saying. So far, it sounds very familiar. We already discussed Kalish Melachtol Heter. We should know already from in our sleep what Kalish Melachtol Heter. The next part of the Benish High is actually Mahloket, and now we'll get into a little bit more details of this category. Benish High brings over here. He says, There, is, there are opinions, Tosefet Shabbat and Haisal Alafim, the Katbu. He says, Kosot Ukarot Kayose, Mutar Litaltelam, Afilu Shalolitorikalal. Says when it comes to what we call kelesa items, utensils that are made specifically for eating, there are opinions that hold that they have the same status as food, and they are not considered mukse. Just like food is not mukse, same thing. There are opinions that hold that any kelesa is also not mukse, like cups and forks and knives. Which means it's not even a klis mechtole heter. Klis mechtole heter, you can't move it for no reason whatsoever. You have to have a purpose in moving it. Not so by food. Food, if you want to move it for whatever reason you want, you want to play with an apple, throw it from hand to hand, that's mutar. Not so when it comes to klis mechtole heter. However, there are opinions that hold klis um excuse me, cups and forks and knives, any what we call klis auda, are considered like food that are not klis they're like food, you can move them for whatever reason, for no reason even. However, says the Ben Ishai, we don't go with this opinion. The main thing, according to Halakha, says the Ben Ishai, is that these items, cups and plates and everything, are considered mukseh, meaning to say, and you can only move them if you have a purpose. And this is really a mahlokit. Ben Ishai is bringing you that he says it's asur, he says it's even, it looks like the opinion of Maran. And however, there are other opinions that hold that's not a problem. So let me tell you a little bit about this. This is actually, it's not only just two opinions. The Mishnah Berura also goes with this opinion. Mishnah Berura holds the cups, plates, forks, knives, and spoons, basically anything that's made for the Saudah that to eat, it's like food. Just like food, you can move it even if you have no purpose with it for it. Same thing when it comes to cups and plates and forks and other things like that. However, a lot of people are osir. A lot of poskim. Rishonim as well as Ahronim. Magid Mishneh was a commentary on the Rambam. Who is a Rishon. He writes clearly that there are these are mukseh. Plates and cups clearly is going on the Rambam. And it seems to be going on the cases of cups and plates and all these things. He writes, they consider which means you can't just move a cup because you have no purpose for it. You have to have a reason why you want to move it. This is also the opinion of some of the later Aharonim, the Gra, the Graz, Shohan Arukharav, Haye Adam, like it was just so Benish high, and the simple meaning of Maran. If you look at Maran, it seems to be he's also going with that opinion that. You cannot move cups for no reason. You must have a purpose for it because the ark is later. Okay, we have a mahlokit. What do we do? So one of the great Sifaradi Ahronim, he has a great book on Khotabat, it's called Minhat Abar Moshe Levi from Holon, Zatzal. He passed away a while ago. It's a fantastic book, really. Anybody who knows Hebrew, you can look at that book, whether you're um, you know, a beginner, or whether you're a person who learns Halakha Ba'ayun, it's a wonderful book to look at. He has great, great notes on the bottom. So he holds, he wants to say that you could rely on the people who opinion, even though the Benish is Osir, he's Mahmir, the cups and plates should be clear. He says that one could move cups and plates. He goes with the Mishnah Barura and the other opinions. He uses a Sfik Sfika. I'm not going to go into the details now of the Sfeq Sfeqah, that one could rely on the people who are matir. However, Hakam Badia says that 
Maran, even though it's debatable what the Shohan Aruch really means, but Akhamadiyah brings from a few sources that the simple understanding of Maran is that even cups and plates and kelesi auda should be categorized as kelesi melachtol heter. And therefore, says Akhamadiyah, you can't even use the Sveik Sveika against, against the ruling of Shohan Aruch, although we find places that he does he does bring Sveik Sveikah Neged Maran. In any case, he says you shouldn't do it. It's forbidden. You cannot move cups and plates for no reason. You must have a reason for moving them. Now the question is, what is considered a reason? What is considered lo letzorek lal, and therefore what is letzorek? So, so I'm going to continue Ben Yishai, and he says like this. Listen to what he says. He says, Lachin adam ha-yoshib Let's say you're sitting on a table, and on the table you have forks and cups and plates. You can't move your plate if you have no purpose. Because sometimes you're done eating, you push away your plate. Why are you pushing away your plate? So if you're a person who wants to show, look, I'm done eating, don't serve me anymore, or you know, it's too much in my face and now I need to relax, I need my space, that's called yesod sorech. But if there's no tzorech, he says, If you're just playing around with the fork, you know, sometimes people just pick up the fork and they just play with it and they move it around. He says, says the Ben Ishai, no. Being that there's no difference to you where this item is, if it's here, if it's there, you're just playing around with it, then it will be forbidden. But if you do care, if you want to clear the table, or if you want to clear your area around you, it makes a difference to you that the fork is here or if it's here. You know, sometimes, you know, the way they set up the, 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 the table, the table set, when people setting up the table, they want the forks on the left or on the right, and everybody has his hakpada. I think the British, they have the forks on the right, and most of us put the forks on the left. In any case, it does make a difference to you where the forks are, then, yes, that's called a tzorech, and that's mutar. He brings another example. Let's say you're sitting in your dining room, and you send, let's say, one of your kids to get you something from the kitchen. So they bring it to you, and then they don't bring the right item. You tell them, please get me a cup. They bring you a cup that's made out of plastic. You don't want the plastic cup. You want a glass cup. So says the Ben if you don't care that the plastic cup should be on the table, and it really makes no difference to you, you can't pick it up and put it back. Unless it makes a difference to you. For example, you want to protect the cup. You don't want to get lost. You don't want anything to happen to it. Or the Shabbos table doesn't look nice if you have the plastic cup on it. Then fine, you can move it. But if you have no purpose of moving it whatsoever, then it's Asur. That is the opinion of the Benish Hai. In order for something to be considered Asurich in the category of of Klis Heter, the Benish Hai's ruling is that it has to make a difference to the person that's moving it. If it makes a difference, whether it's for the sake of the item or not, the location makes a difference, then it's fine. But if the location of the item doesn't make a difference to you, then according to Benish Hai, it's Asur. However, this is not so simple. Why? Because you look in the other Ahronim, look in Aruch HaShulchan, he writes that if a person is playing with the utensils, it's an honor. He gets a pleasure from, you know, playing, he's moving around. Let's say he has a, a fork and he's just twisting it around the table. Or sometimes, you know, you have like um, the spoon inside your cup and then you're just stirring and stirring and stirring. There's nothing in the cup. There's no ice, there's no water, there's nothing. There's no liquid, you're just stirring around. Maybe you like to make noise. I don't know. Making, if you're doing it for making noise, that's a problem. But you just like the stirring. You Basically, you're playing with the utensils. You're playing with the forks. You're playing with the cups and all these things. Here, we find that Arucha Shulhan, as well as Be'er Moshe, and a few other Ahronim, who hold that really it's fine. Be'er Moshe gives an example of the person sitting on a Shabbos table. He's by Kumzitz. He's by uh, Tish. And he doesn't want to fall asleep or, you know, he's just trying to pass time and he's playing with the things. He says, that's fine. That's called, he calls that, that's called a tzorich. 
And Acham Adiyah that we just said beforehand, he says, Klis cups are considered Klis You must have a tzorich. He also rules like the Aruch Hashanah Be'er Moshe. He says, over here, you can rely on the Matirim, even though the Benishai is Oser. Acham Adiyah says, you have what to rely on. So, let's summarize this halakha. Right? Let's summarize this halakha. Although, the, uh, let's summarize that Kli shemelachto leheter. You can only move it if you have a purpose with it. Cups, forks, and knives. Kle sauda is a mahlokit between the Ahronim. If it's considered part of the, if it's considered Kli shemelachto leheter or not, the Ben Yishaya Chamavadiyah of the opinion that they're considered Kli shemelachto leheter and they are in the category of Mukse, you can only move them the Tzorech. What is called the Tzorech? Also a mahlokit according to Ben Yishai. The location of where the item is has to make a difference to you. According to Acham and Aruch HaShulchanan and other Aharonim, no, it doesn't go by the location. Even if you yourself want to play with it, it makes a difference to you that you're playing with it, you know, to calm down your nerves or whatever it is, you could also move it for that purpose. So, who do we rule like? I brought you the opinions. Of course, if a person could try to be mahmir like the Benish Hai, why not? 100%. You you'll say. But if a person feels it's necessary, especially a person who, you know, as they call in Hebrew, he has all nerves, right? He's very nervous and he's anxious and he's trying to get out. He's invited to a meal that he doesn't want to be there. He's by his in-laws and he's, he can't wait to get out. Or he's nervous and he's just doing that. I don't know, he's on a date on Shabbos. Certainly you have what to rely on. You could say that's called the Tzorch. But again, that's not according to all opinions. Somebody asked, it shouldn't be playing with the item be called a tzorech? And the answer is according to the ben, not according to the Khamabadiyah, but not according to Ben Ishai. According to Ben Ishai, tzorech depends on the location of the item. That's called the tzorech. We will stop over here, although it's in the middle of Halakha Aleph. We'll come back next week, finish Halakha Aleph, and go on also to the other Halakha and Ben Ishai, also discussing other categories of mukse. Until then, Be'ezat Hashem, we. We'll see you next week. You could call us back. You could call us to the radio station over here if you'd like to ask any questions. We're here for another 10, 15 minutes. The number to the station is 718-683-5858. You'll be off the air. And if you have a question, you want to text it in. Marzatashim will also try to answer you. 347-927-8398. We're signing off. We'd like to say thank you to Iran, Nisim, and the whole J Radio staff for the Abu Dhabi Kodesh and their wonderful uh, work that they do over here and thank you for all your help thank you for listening this class will be aired on again tonight at 11pm it's not live so you can't call in even though you hear me saying call in it's not live so if you have any questions you'll wait till next week until then have a wonderful week and Shabbat Shalom